everybody, and welcome back to the final episode of Season 2 of Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. I'm Rhonda Blevins, Pinnacle Associate and Pastor of Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown, Pinnacle Associate and Founding Pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Today on Pastor Life, we wrap up our conversation on coming back after COVID based on a book entitled Reshape by Pinnacle team leader Mark Tidsworth. Yeah, Mark joined us on the last episode to offer thoughts about what he's observed as churches and pastors are working through the process laid out in his book. And this episode, we're thinking about it a little like an epilogue. Yeah, that's right. So today on the pod, we'll have a conversation with Reverend Jessica Williams from Central Seminary in Shawnee, Kansas. Central Seminary decided to use the reshape material as part of a thriving congregations grant from the Lilly Foundation. The church's one foundation <laughs> is Jesus. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> well, it does seem like Lily is the church's one foundation or one of several that are really great to churches and to people who are working with churches. Yeah. But Jessica will tell us about what she's learned as the director of the Reshaping Church Project, what's changed in the world over this last year and with the grant, and her hopes for the churches who are engaged in the process. We might even hear a plug from her for Central's second round of grant recipients coming soon, I believe. So uh, let's get started with Coming Back After COVID, the epilogue. Dun, dun, dun. So, David, before we bring Jessica onto the pod, do you think we should give our listeners a preview of season three of Pastor Life? Absolutely. I'm excited about it. Yeah, me too. So we're calling season three of Pastor Life Courageous Conversations. We'll be tackling how to lead our churches and addressing some of today's most pressing issues. We'll be talking about racism, sexuality, politics, and more. Just some light topics for conversation. <laughs> right. Not only that, but some of our episodes will be dedicated to exploring different methods or models for having these challenging conversations so that they're constructive and not destructive. We've got some exciting special guests lined up with expertise in either the methods that we'll be exploring or in the issues that we'll be exploring. And new for this season, Rhonda and I will be offering coaching groups around these topics and methods through Pinnacle's Clergy Collective. That will begin in September of 2021. You know, David, as a local church pastor, personally, I look forward to learning ways to tackle some of these challenging issues with my people. And I, you know, I admit that I wrestle with the tension between addressing issues kind of head on and avoiding issues to keep the peace. Yeah, me too. You know, looking back at different issues, challenges, conversations that I've been a part of in congregations, you know, it can really go either way. And there's a lot of feel involved in how you approach it, a lot of adjusting and adapting. And a couple of the models that we'll explore, it takes some of the pressure off the pastor, brings a small group of invested leaders and church people together to tackle these difficult issues. Sign me up for less pressure. <laughs> Absolutely. Me too. So stay tuned for season three of Pastor Life Podcast. Courageous Conversations. Coming September 2021.
Well, we welcome to the pod today, Reverend Jessica Williams. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself um, and your role at Central Seminary? Sure. Well, at Central, I currently serve as the Director of Alumni Engagement and Lifelong Learning. It's a new position at the seminary. I've been doing that since February of this year. Prior to that, I was at Central for about a little over four years as the Registrar and International Student Officer and Retention Coordinator. So I moved from working with students and student services to working with alums and uh, continuing education and lifelong learning programs. But prior to my time at Central, I served as pastor at First Baptist Church of Overland Park, and before that, as associate pastor at churches in Iowa and New York. Okay. All right. So you've been around the block, huh? (laughs) I guess so, yeah. (laughs) Well, why don't we get started by telling our listeners how Central Seminary ended up using the reshape material as you execute the grant that you received from the Lilly Foundation, the Thriving Congregations Grant. Sure. Well, it's a it's a good story that kind of embodies what the reshape is all about because we we started our our grant and and my colleague at the seminary, um, Reverend Dr. Angie Jackson, wrote our grant to partner with Pinnacle on the the farming to flourish. Is that the title? Do I have the title right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Farming church, right? Is farming, that it? Yes, farming church. Okay, <laughs> we were implementing that um, as a, a farming to flourish program um, at Central. So, but using the curric- that curriculum, that book, and and that kind of theme to prepare churches for change. And so we went about our uh, first couple of months of planning in um, 2020. And Mark and Ursul came and joined Angie and I at Central. And we mapped out this this, um, five-year plan for how we were going to help churches prepare for change. And then change just hit us all um, pretty quickly. And so uh, we took a big step back and decided to, to use the spring of last year with the uh, roundtables that Pinnacle hosted and Central partnered on to learn from congregational leaders the challenges that they were experiencing um, during the early stages of COVID and what that meant for the kinds of changes that they were implementing and therefore what kind of resource and program would be helpful for them moving out of that phase. And so through that, Mark created this reshape process and we decided to to move forward with that as as the congregation we knew the congregations that we were working with were then also kind of moving through this process of figuring out what changes reflecting on these massive changes that were kind of forced upon all of us and helping congregations to discern what that meant for their faith community coming out of covid well jessica i've been involved as you know and i think as some of our listeners know as a coach for four of the churches that are moving through the reshape process, but you have a little bigger view. Uh, You're starting to see some of the input and some of the ideas that are emerging as all 10 or 11 churches move through this first cohort. And I wonder if there are some commonalities, some themes that are showing up, or if on the flip side, if there's some divergences, if there's some ways that churches are uniquely making this process their own. Uh, Could you maybe speak to to one or both of those? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I think one of the the learnings for us as a, as a leadership team, um, the coaches and Mark and Ursel and I, as we worked with all of these churches involved this year, is that not all churches had the same access to and capacity for technology as we anticipated. 
Um, and so we had kind of made some assumptions about the level of technology usage that um, churches were employing because of COVID. And that wasn't necessarily true for all of the congregations that we were working with, especially in some more rural areas where technology or um, internet access, excuse me, is was a little harder to come by. And so we've had to make some adaptations um, in terms of both how we implement the program, but also kind of our expectations of congregational involvement because of that. Um, so that was a really helpful learning for us, and, and particularly in thinking about how we're moving forward with the next cohort of churches that we work with. I think another assumption that we we sort of made that that we have learned and reflected upon is just the capacity of congregational leaders at this time. And the we we talked in one of the recent Lilly conferences about decision fatigue that many of us are experiencing, and particularly people who are leading communities in any capacity have personal and professional decision fatigue. And so the capacity of congregational leaders to engage with their this process and their coach and their community of practice and kind of all the things that we had set up as a support around that, we maybe had too high of expectations about um, the time capabilities uh, for congregational leaders around that. And so it caused us to need to reshape our thinking and be adaptive in our own work to really think about with each community of practice, um, what is what are the best practices for that community of practice and for each congregation? And certainly to the second question you asked, David, um, some of the congregations have been very unique in how they've implemented some of these pieces, including two churches that have taken the reshape process and adapted it to teaching children and youth and involving them in the process of discerning emerging shapes and reflecting on their church's mission and ministry and being part of a decision-making process for what the future of their church looks like. And so I'm anxious to talk with the four leaders from the four churches that have done that to really learn more from them about what worked and and how we can learn from them going forward to help other churches in those areas too. I think back to the eight weeks that you're, you know, that you've been active in leading these churches through this process, and a lot has changed in our world in those eight weeks. Yeah. Um, and I wonder what your observations are related to what has changed in the church, what has changed, you know, for the pastors that you're working with. What are you seeing? Yeah, it's a good question, and I think the thing that I have learned the most about that is that it's so contextual. So we have churches that we're working with in different parts of the country. And so that means that um, rules and regulations and policies around um, both access to vaccines and mask requirements and these sorts of things are different for all of the congregations. Um, We also have churches from a variety of different denominations and polity structures, which means that the decision-making processes are different. And so a lot of those changes in in these past eight weeks how those are manifest in these different congregations is is really contextual based on on that particular congregation and that community and where they're located. But in a, in a general sense, I think that a lot of congregations are struggling with the same kinds of things that they were struggling with about 14 months ago about decisions around communal life and fellowship together and what that looks like. So 14 months ago, it was how do how do we do this without being together? And now I think it's thinking about um, moral and ethical and theological and safe ways of, of being together and, and honoring all of 
the people in the fellowship. And so I think these are struggles that are that are similar to what um, congregations experienced before, but but different as as things have changed over the past eight weeks. I think that's exactly right. And just from a personal and my faith community perspective, I know we are just engaging in some of those conversations about what it looks like to be back together indoors and be respectful of of one another and know that there's diversity and comfort level and the desire to reconnect, but also to do it in a way that protects our children who still haven't been able to have access to vaccines, all those different things. So I do think that points to the timing of these conversations. You know, folks like Rhonda's church, I know, has had several stages in the regathering process. And there have been conversations and covenanting all along the way. Uh, Other people are just beginning to engage in those conversations. This first cohort with the Thriving Congregations Initiative, it seems like some of them were struggling just to figure out where are we right now and how do we even engage in a conversation about the future. Others were at different points along the way. I wonder, as you think forward to the next cohort of churches that will begin late in 2021 and move through the process mainly in 2022, how do you see that timing playing out for congregations? Is there sort of a right time to go through the reshaping process? Yeah, that's a good question. Because I, I think one of the one of the things we had anticipated as a leadership team um, going into the 2021 cohort is that things would be emerging differently a lot sooner than what they did. Um, and so, it, and, and I think some of our churches expected that too. So as we look forward into 2022, I think it is going to look a little bit more like what we had thought that maybe the cohort in 2021 looked like where people are moving back into in-person spaces and in different ways and trying to discern what ministries that they innovated during 2021 that are useful to keep around and what other changes need to be made to the ministries that they're doing. One of my hopes too is that part of this decision fatigue that that so many of us and, and congregational leaders in particular have experienced over this time, I think can also mean a lot of focus on the workings of the congregation. And it, it's a lot of work to have to gather back in stages and to, to covenant to do that and that sort of thing. And I'm hopeful that as we move into 2022, we can also then start to expand and think about the societal implications of what we've gone through related to COVID, the inequities that it has exposed the injustices it has exposed and and what the role of the church is in that. Um, and so as we as we move through this timing, I'm hopeful, you know, one of the goals of the the Lilly Grant is to help congregations explore and understand their rapidly changing social and cultural contexts. And that was written in 2019. Um, and our social and cultural contexts have changed more rapidly and much more than any of us could have imagined. And so how can we, through this reshape process, help churches to, to explore that and embody um, and, and live into their mission and calling in this very, very different social context? Earlier in the conversation, you were talking about how you had a five-year plan together. And at Pinnacle, we're talking about how those are... Um, extinct these days because you just can't make a five-year plan. The world is changing so rapidly. But you you were able to adapt and, and make that happen. And I wonder, as you've uh, kind of walked 
through this process over these past few weeks. What are the highlights? Do you have a success story that you can share? From the congregations in particular? Yeah, I think I think so, yeah. Yeah. I really think the congregations have just really taken this process and some of the congregations in particular, I'm thinking actually, David, of some that you're working with, and, and so you might be able to speak in even more detail to this, have just really em- embraced it. I really appreciate the congregations that have incorporated the children and youth. Um, I just think that's a that's a huge part of the fellowship of congregations. And so to be honoring the the wisdom and the insights that children and youth have about the mission and ministry of, of churches is, I think, just essential and, and really important. And so I think that right there is a success story. Some of the congregations have, um, one of them did this launch event, and it is a kind of a tradition within that congregation to to have sort of these plays. And and so the the pastor of this congregation sort of did this kind of one-act play and poked fun at herself a little bit about um, kind of use of technology and these sorts of things as a way to introduce the congregation to this process. And I just thought it was brilliant and just a very fun and engaging way to change is really scary. Um, and when change is forced upon you, um, it, it, it can be even uh, more anxiety provoking. So to, to insert humor into that, um, I just thought was a really brilliant way to, to help the congregation move through what has been a very challenging time. I'll add a couple of illustrations from the churches I'm working with. A couple of my churches are actually moving through pastoral transition in the midst of all of this COVID transition. And so add sort of disruption on top of disruption. One of the churches was already in an interim period when they began the reshape process. And then one of the other churches, actually Lori Harrell, who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, announced her retirement in the midst of the reshape process. And so I think reshape has given some tools and language and a process for them that's almost a bridge into the interim period or a layer on top of the interim period that helps them to focus identity, to help help them listen for the spirit. And my hope is that those churches with the work they've been doing with reshape will be set up even better for a pastoral search that will be a search for someone who is going to lead in a way that is adaptive and that comes alongside some of the conversations that churches are already having. So I think that's been a great tool. And, you know, we talked some also with Matt Sturdivant and the way that they have done some good work with alignment in terms of staffing. They hired a staff member in the midst of COVID. They reworked some job descriptions in the midst of COVID. Kathy Pickett's another example of a church that's really taken a an aim at aligning themselves toward the mission that's emerging. And I think all of those things, not only do they help us as we come back from COVID, but in the bigger picture, I think these are ways that we're learning how to be the church in an era of disruption, you know, in a, in a time where disruptions are going to come. Uh, we can be pretty certain that COVID's not the only transition, challenge, volatile event that we're going to face. And I think that's a way for us to, to kind of transition in the conversation to the reshape process really does have a timestamp. It's happening in a certain moment 
where churches are dealing with a crisis or a disruption that we've all experienced across the board. Now, we've experienced it in different ways, but I think this reshaped conversation moving forward, hopefully, and I think Mark would say this as well, hopefully it has a timeless quality to it. Or if not timeless, at least it's preparing us for for the next season in our society and culture and church life together. So what would you say in terms of the tools that Reshape is developing within us in terms of just the capacity for churches and pastors to face adaptive challenges? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great way to phrase that. Um, and as you were as you were kind of describing it that way, I was thinking a little bit about centering prayer practices and how engaging in a, a daily centering prayer practice is a is a practice that it then helps you carry through that that centering and that grounding um, and that connection to God throughout the day. So it's not confined to those twenty minutes in which you're doing centering prayer, but it's a process of of learning to let go of some thoughts and things and and connecting back to God. And I. I think the same way I think about this re- reshape process that um, it's a moment in time, um, but it's not confined to that moment in time. It's, it's, it's giving um, not even just skills, but, but kind of embodiment of what it looks like to collectively discern as a congregation and to prayerfully and intentionally think about our, our mission and our vision as, and our calling and our gifts as a congregation and to, to be honest about those and to, to think about the needs of the world in relationship to those. And so it, it's a practice that, that does produce something in that moment, but it also helps a congregation to embody that kind of spirit going forward. Um, and so then hopefully is something that can be implemented on an, on an ongoing basis in some way, but then also maybe at another point in time when another disruption occurs to go back to that that particular laid out reshape process to implement again. So kind of wrapping up here, Jessica, I like to ask our guests, what would you say to pastors? What, what is your hope for pastors that are listening? And what, what might you say to encourage them? It's a good question to end with. I just want to say to pastors that um, take care of yourselves and, and find a community of a community of practice to help you care for one another this has been such a challenging time and we need you and we need you to be um, spiritually and emotionally and physically well. And I know that that means um, that sometimes it, uh, it may be hard to walk away or, or sit down for a little bit, all of the, the um, responsibilities of walking with a congregation through making these decisions after just having walked together, making some of these decisions um, and so please be sure you're, you're taking care of yourselves and relying on, on one another and God's spirit to renew and refresh you as you need. Thank you so much. That is refreshing to hear. <laughs> um, so you may or may not want to answer this, but do you want to plug your next round of uh, the grant? Sure. I'd love okay, to. All right. Um, yeah. So we're, we're in, a, in an early stage of recruiting process right now for the 2022 cohort of Reshaping Church at Central Seminary. And so throughout the summer and into the fall, we'll be taking applications and things. Um, You can visit the Central Seminary website, cbts.edu. And on that website, you can find a a page for Reshaping Church uh, or email me 
at jwilliams at cbts.edu if you're interested in finding out more about the reshaping church process through Central and our partnership with Pinnacle. So we're, we're hoping to, this year, um, we have 10 congregations moving through the process, and we're hoping to expand for next year to 16 congregations. And we're, we're being intentionally, we're trying to be intentionally diverse um, within um, that those congregations. And so we're um, taking opportunity to bring some coaches and training along and um, adding them to our process and, and their wisdom and experience. And so uh, we're, we're looking for congregations that are interested in being part of a diverse community of practice uh, to move forward with through a reshape process. Well, Jessica, it's just been great to get to know you and work with you through the, the grant and uh, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for what you're doing and for sharing some of that with us and with the pastors who are listening in today. My pleasure. Thank you both for this podcast and for all the work you do with your congregations and with other congregations. Well, that's a wrap for this episode and for season two of Pastor Life Podcast from Pinnacle Leadership Associates. Can you believe it, David? I mean, it seems like yesterday we were like, hey, you want to do a podcast together? Right. And now we're planning season three. Courageous conversations complete with tough issues and models for dialogue. And even the best part, a coaching group with us. (laughs) Jury's out on that, right? Right. (laughs) I think it's going to be a blast. So, David, have a great summer. You too, Rhonda. And I hope pastors in our community will heed what Jessica just mentioned to us and take care of yourselves. Uh, Have a wonderful, wonderful summer. Take some Sabbath, friends. And we'll see you in September. Is that okay? Does Lily hate that? If Lily hates that, we may need to go back. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's common. We make that joke all the time. All right. (laughs) 